Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Course. This week, I'm replaying one of my favorite interviews with Lindsay Padilla from Hello Audio. Now, as a teacher, I've experimented with audio, but I've never created an audio-only course. And Lindsay is actually running her audio course accelerator starting this coming week. So if you're listening in and around October 2022, you can actually sign up to Hello Audio and join the audio course accelerator. And if you're already a Hello Audio user, you can certainly sign up and get so much value out of Lindsay walking you through the process of actually creating an audio only course. Now, like I said, I've only ever dabbled in audio as a teaching tool. And one of my most recent experiences was where I replaced my introduction videos in my asynchronous college course with audio. And I was really worried that maybe it wouldn't have the same impact, that students wouldn't feel as connected because in asynchronous learning, you're not present. Students are logging in at various times of the day and night. They're working through the content on their own. And I'm there to structure the learning experience, to answer their questions, and to grade their assignments. There isn't the requirement of face-to-face learning. That being said, I do think that adding audio and video to your course far enhances the learning experience over and above just text-based content. Because I like to personalize the experience for students, I was finding creating the videos at the beginning of each lesson and module for students semester after semester was becoming very labor-intensive. I mean, the first time I did it, it was labor-intensive, but the second, third, fourth, fifth time that I'm talking to students through video and having to worry about lighting and how I was dressed and whether or not I should have slides. And if I had slides, were they the right slides? How did they look on the screen? The editing, all of the things, you know what I'm talking about. I decided that I would try just creating audios. And there was just something more personal to me even about the audio, being able to hit record like I am to you right now and just start talking and be able to introduce the content and to encourage them and maybe give a personalized message specific to that cohort has really been a huge time saver for me. I also would sprinkle audio in in place of video where there was no need for there to be elaborate slide decks. Nobody wants to just watch me talk. So if I wasn't having slides and it was just me talking, it just made more sense to automatically switch to audio. And I've actually had students say to me, I love what you're doing in your course. I've never experienced a course like this. I actually feel like you're right there alongside of me. So the audio didn't at all take away from the human connection that I was making with students. 
In fact, I think it actually made me more human and more approachable. <laughs> that sounds funny when I say more human, but because sometimes when I hit record and it's video, I become a lot less comfortable. I'm a lot more stiff and therefore I don't know that I convey my enthusiasm for the learning as much as I do through audio. So with Lindsay's Audio Course Accelerator launching for this week, where you can create your audio course and start making sales in 30 days, all you need is an idea. You don't need to worry about slide decks and getting on camera and all the post-production video editing that you might go through. Lindsay will walk you through the audio course accelerator, making it easy for you to launch an audio course that your audience will actually love. So I thought to support Lindsay, because I wanted to replay our interview that we did back in, I think the spring of last year, I think it was episode 14, maybe summer of last year, where we talk about the benefits of audio for the learner, the benefits of audio for the content creator. We talk about using audio to change up or disrupt the way that you're teaching. It was just such a great conversation. So whether you're already somebody who uses audio or somebody who has never used audio before, and I mean using audio intentionally, right? So sometimes people will use audio where they take their video and they convert it to audio. That's one way to use audio. But what I'm talking about here is being really intentional and choosing audio as your core media in either parts of your course or for your course as a whole, as Lindsay introduces us to that concept of a complete audio course. I'm sure you're going to get something out of listening or re-listening if you're an avid Skill Your Course listener, which I thank you for. So I think I'll skip the lengthy introduction of Lindsay and let you listen to the interview Without further ado, here's a replay of Disrupt the Way You Teach with Hello Audio with my guest, Lindsay Padilla. Welcome, Lindsay, to the Scale Your Course podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Oh my goodness. This is such a pleasure for me to have you on this podcast. I am probably going to sound really weird and kind of crazy, but I'm a bit of a fangirl for you, Lindsay. And I have been, ever since I saw you, I think it was Rob Galvin's summit. He had some type of a summit and you were on there That's and yeah, <laughs> it was. Yep. And I remember listening to your interview thinking, man, like, cause we have similar backgrounds in education. I thought to myself, like, wouldn't it be awesome to be Lindsay someday, right? So I know that sounds weird, but that's the way no. the cookie crumbles, right? That's I how I've achieved that. I love it. Yeah. I think, cool. I think that's really cool. It is cool. And I think that's how I've kind of rolled throughout my whole life is you see somebody and you're trying to find yourself and you're like, I could be that, or I could be that, or I could do that, mm -hmm. or I could do this. And I just was really admiring, I guess, your transition from academia into the online space where I was trying to find my own niche. And at the time I was focused on a whole different audience. I was targeting families of children with special needs. Targeting sounds like a horrible word, but right. I was, um, I was really trying to provide some supports and services to family of children with special needs based on my other passion, which is developmental services. And when I saw you sort of taking your education and your professorisms into the online space, I was like, I could do that too. 
but you know, not that I'm trying to be you, I'm trying to be me, but you know, you kind of blazed a trail for me. So thank you. I'm so glad. Like, and I think about too, you were doing your dissertation, you were like working hard on that. And like at the same time, which is no easy feat. I built my business after I did all of that. So, you know, kudos to you. Cause that is, that is not easy. And you know, there was someone like me for myself. So my inspiration to like ever even consider leaving, because I think there is something about getting into academia, going that far in education, it, you know, you, you do that for a reason. You're not going to, you know, do a, a doctorate and just like for like no reason. So, um, you know, I never thought I would leave. And Adeline Co, totally different industry. Um, she has a skincare brand called Sabbatical Beauty. Anyone listening who wants to up-level their skincare, she makes it all herself. She is amazing. And she was uh, an English professor. And on her sabbatical, like she used to make um, some concoctions for her, one of her friends. And they were like, I think you should make this in a business. And so during her sabbatical, she decided to explore it as a business. And long story short, she never went back. Um, in so many words. So she was my first person that I saw doing something different. And I, at that point was like selling beach bodies. So my like entry into entrepreneurship was all, I always say I accidentally started a business because I had my dream job. I landed a tenure track position. You know, it was everything I worked for. So did my husband. We were within driving distance from each other's schools, which is really rare. And so I had everything I wanted. And then I accidentally started this side income. And it was just enough that like, I remember when I heard my first $1,000 month, I was like, oh, like this is how you make, you know, grow wealth. And like, there, there is other things to do outside of this. And so it wasn't until I saw and heard someone else, yeah, with my background say, you know, it's okay that maybe this, you know, school isn't for you. It's okay to do something bigger. And she's now, I think, currently writing a book actually on that transition. I don't know. I, maybe I will someday. Um, but I just wanted to point out that I totally had somebody because there's that level of like permission, validation, representation, right? Like seeing yourself in someone else. Um, so I, I don't take that lightly. That means a lot. And um, I'm glad, like, I like talking about my background. I hid it for a little while, kind of. Like, I wasn't sure, like, anyone cared that I did all of that <laughs> professor work, even as somebody who teaches people how to create better courses. You know, I just felt like an oddball in this space, like having an advanced degree in a space that kind of talks a lot of crap about college. <laughs> and like, right, they're all, they think for some reason everyone should be an entrepreneur, which I, I don't agree with. Um, but uh, yeah, I started to get more confident and then launching Academics Mean Business, my podcast that I had for a while, helped me find my identity again. That's why I started that podcast to your point of, you know, having other people be the example. I was like, I can't be the only one who's done this. <laughs> and like, I bet they thought weird things in their head, you know, and had identity crises and all that stuff. So um, I think I think by both of us showing up in the way we are with our degrees and that we can do something outside of the education system, I think is powerful just to be able to encourage other people um, to try other things, whether they build side hustles or completely leave. There's there's levels in between. You don't have to go all in. I don't think I think it's a great way to create side income as well. So, yeah, uh, thanks for sharing that with me.
I was a little hesitant at first to share that story, but you've made a lot of good sense. And I really enjoyed your podcast too. Academics means business. And then I think for a short period of time, you were running a group and I met some of my now business besties, I guess, in there, Jana Peterson and a few yes. other people that I interact with a lot online. And so I do think uh, like attracts like, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, but you just have kind of moved through, I guess in the last three or four years, like I've just seen you transitioning from, you know, doing some coursework into, like I said, running the groups and the podcast and you had build a better beta and now you have hello audio. Like, <laughs> yeah, hello audio. did you yep. see that coming? Nope. <laughs> Could not have told you that. And I tried to push it away. Yeah. So part of my evolution is like, I started out done for you kind of consulting level and then transitioned into, and I was really bad at it um, <laughs> and transitioned into, yeah. Cause I like teaching, right? Like doing a done for you thing was not enough of that teachery, like kind of material and, and like way of being. So yeah, I spent about a year and a half to two years really solidly running Build a Better Beta um, and, you know, improving that product and, and um, kind of transitioning into more of a course-based business. And then in that probably time frame when I was truly helping like hundreds of students like launch their first course ever, create their first course ever, that's when, you know, just seeing the number of people come through, you know, the number one reason why I think people don't build courses, maybe, I mean, that's like a little dramatic. I shouldn't say it's like the number one reason, but like a huge blocker is making those videos and like getting the slides together and literally sitting down and making the course, right? There's all this hoopla um, around, you know, where to host it and like, you know, slides. And it was just a lot. And I remember saying like, man, some people could probably just make audio and they'd still get to teach and like support people. And then layer that on top of my own experience as a student of many courses. <laughs> I purchased lots of things. I wished there was one course that I bought and I remember telling Derek, I'm like, man, we need to make this a podcast. Cause I think we had the idea and I was like, and it was in this, what I didn't like about her course was she didn't host it in something like member vault. She didn't host it in a learning management system. She hosted it in WordPress and it was really frustrating to navigate. But to my credit, like I paid, I want to say like $1,800 and something like that. And I just remember being like, oh, I wish it was just I could just listen to this and and her videos were not a lot of powerpoint um some of them were but she also had this like side material that were her like youtube video kind of things and like nothing fancy and i didn't think any less of the con i wasn't mad that i paid 1800 i just wanted to be able to access it easy that was it for me and so when he you know stripped those videos and turned them into audios for me I was like, this is gonna be huge. Like every course should have the ability to listen and, and get through the content in that way if you so choose. And I think, you know, you and I both have been working on courses now in this industry for a while. And, you know, it's kind of standard to throw in an MP3 file like under every lesson, but that's not that, you know, user-friendly. Like 
I don't know about you, but like the last time I downloaded an MP3 on my phone, I like didn't know where it went. I don't know. There's like files versus like folders. I don't know. Like iPhone does not make it very um, can, like easy to understand, but then it's playing in some player that like you can't fast forward really easily. It's named something weird. So just imagine your student who is most likely trying to learn on the go. That's why they downloaded the audio file. They're trying to now play your course in order. It's just, it's just in, like, that doesn't even make sense. And so when we realize that like, oh, well, podcasts have figured out how to play audio in order. And like, that's a great delivery system. We don't need to invent a new app on how to like play recorded audio. It can play in a player. And so those are kind of like the early kind of rumblings of Hello Audio, but yeah, when we finally decided to do it, Build a Better Beta was the first course that had a private podcast feed, tested it with our users, made sure they liked it, um, knew we could deliver it without any sort of tech. And, um, and then we decided to see what would happen if we made a Facebook post. Uh, and, and I think we called it Podcast Your Course. They're like, hey, if you'd like to podcast your course, you know, let me know. And I think I sold about a hundred licenses. We did it, we decided to do lifetime licenses. So that was in August of 2019. That whole fall, I was telling myself I was not gonna create a software. I was not gonna be a CEO of a software company. And that I had this mission to help teachers and like this mission to help academics. And I just didn't see this lining. And so I spent four months uh, exploring potential partnerships with other uh, podcast hosting companies. And we did kind of get pretty far with one company and it wasn't until a customer of ours kind of was like, well, we could, I could help you. I know how to do this. And I was like, Hmm. And that was uh, like a year ago, like January, February last year. Um, so right before the pandemic and we were kind of like, okay, let's build it. Cause if we don't build it, we're not going to have a lot of control and we're just going to keep waiting. We kept, it was, it was, we had to wait for their board to approve stuff. I mean, it, you know, I wasn't running the company and it was at that moment that we decided to actually build it. And so that's what we spent all last year doing. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the early days of it. I absolutely never expected to be a software CEO. Um, but when I saw that the problem was needed, needed to be solved, and that nothing on the market could solve it, it was enough for me to say, well, I think we could figure this out. And I think enough people, based on how much response we had, we knew enough course creators would, would be excited about it, that that gave me, I guess, the courage to kind of take the leap. Well, and we're glad you did, because <laughs> I think it is going to sort of change the way that people think about content creation and the learner experience. And one, I'm so glad to hear you say that you get confused when MP3s are downloaded to your it's iPhone, so because <laughs> I thought it was just me. And, you know, so that's really good to hear. And, you know, certainly as somebody who creates a lot of courses, both for academia and for um, just, you know, the online space as a whole, I, I do see that there, the simplicity of the podcast feed it yeah. is really a game changer. It's not just about the audio, it's about how the audio is yes. delivered. And I've got a couple courses coming up in a program that I've taught in a number of times now at a college in Ontario, and I'm can't wait to integrate it with that. Um, I started exploring, like, like you said, I was doing videos for a lot of the content. It's an online course anyways, 
So I'm not present face to face. Um, this was even prior to pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of those like even two, three minute intro videos to the lessons and to the content that they would be working through. And partway through the semester, I tested it, not necessarily with Hello Audio, because I didn't have it at the time. I do now, so I'm excited. Um, I started testing this idea of just audio files. Because for me, like you said, sitting there, getting ready for the video, making sure I had, you know, I was using um, one of the Zoom backgrounds and making, I didn't have a green screen or anything. So trying to sit still enough so that it didn't look like I was kind of a floating head or something like that. And then also trying to record and then save and then upload and all the steps that I had to do was time consuming, right? And so while, you know, as, as someone who teaches, I want to, I want to get my students results. I also want to protect my own time and energy. Yeah. Yep. And so I thought, I'm going to test out audio and see if they even care that I'm not, they're not seeing my face. Because obviously in an online course, it is nice to see somebody once in a while, but I don't think they needed to see me every week for the, like in this sort of really rote sort of non-live fashion. They needed to see me a few times maybe to know I was a real person, but that was about (laughs) it. So I did explore with it and it was super easy for me. I was able to get it done in like... I don't even know, 10th of the time. And I then got some feedback from the students that they really appreciated just being able to hit play and listen for three or four minutes. And obviously there was more to the course than that, but um, that's where we would start every week. So this time I'm going to use it with Hello Audio. So they'll be able to like just click on their app and up it will go. And um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see what kind of response I get to that. Yeah, I think what's really cool about audio, I think from like a learning perspective, I think there's a couple of things. So the first is, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of research on like what's going on in your brain. I think people are starting to look at that, but there's some things, there's some kind of information around how audio by having to pay attention and listen, we have to like create our own world, right? We have to create the visuals in our head and Um, I think educators and people who study the brain and psychologists and all of that are looking at that as saying like, okay, that's an important thing because it's activating certain parts of the brain where when you throw up a video, um, you're now like looking at a screen, right? You're looking at something and you have to really stay focused on that thing. Um, and while you can multitask with audio, some people might immediately be like, well, isn't that bad? Aren't you being distracted? And it's like, no, because the type of multitasking that people are doing on audio is driving, walking, you know, doing the dishes and you're actually engaging in like motor skill type thing versus when we talk about distraction, when you're looking at your phone you're seeing the notification, you're deciding to scroll on Facebook. Those are very different levels of distraction, very different levels of quote unquote multitasking. One is beneficial and positive and one is like disorienting, anxiety driven, like all of that. And I think that's where audio comes into play. And I won't be around and say audio is the best way to learn. I would never say that. I, what, what is the best way to learn is actually doing the learning. So if no one's logging in and watching your beautiful videos, it doesn't matter how great they are, how well-constructed because they're not even getting there. So there's layers to it. Like we're removing the friction where they don't have to log in 
they don't have to um, be glued to their screen. Two things that are super important for us people who are very busy on the go. And I think that that concept of being in your ears and, and just that idea of like having your AirPods, popping them in, um, you're usually doing something that is somewhat calming or repetitive. So the energy of the listener slash student is relaxed and a, a much better learning happens when someone is relaxed. They're open to receive, they're calm. But when you start showing images and you're walking through, you know, Facebook ad manager and you're showing all these things and they're visually being stimulated by it, it's more anxiety. And then they're looking at their computer and they're having to like, you know, not, they have to like literally make themselves not click on something else. I have ADD. It's really hard for me to just like sit down and like focus on one thing. But if I pop in earbuds while I'm get, putting my makeup on or while I'm sitting on my porch with coffee, that's a totally different energy. Um, not that the ADD person can't get distracted there, but it is different. It totally is different. That state of mind, that's kind of the best way to put it. The state of mind of the listener slash student is just in a better place with where they're consuming audio. Literally the environment and the medium is different and promotes like a different like style. And I think that that's key to talk about when we talk about the power of audio kind of in learning. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm thinking about classrooms, right? Mm. So I'm visualizing a classroom of 40 students and how, you know, everyone has to be still and everyone has yeah. to be quiet. And, you know, I'm just picturing now, you know, what would have been different for some of the students that I had in my classes who struggled with attention and even yeah. that could benefit from, like you said, that movement of mm. actually making it active, you know, it's not, audio I'm talking about here, but just the idea they could walk and listen, right? It. It's yeah. just such a different perspective on, mm -hmm. on how we, how we've been conditioned to view education, right? And how people are supposed to learn still focused. So yeah. Even and still, you could argue, um, it, there was less like you showing up physically in a classroom and sitting your butt in a seat. Okay. Like you, like, and your teacher really didn't want you to take out your phone. I remember though, as I was teaching, so I was, you know, I started teaching college in about 2010, probably or those days. And it was always a question of like, do you allow notes on laptops? Because we all know that like, it's that energy of like wanting to like click something else and distract yourself that just like discomfort of like sitting with like just knowledge and like all of that. And so that was always a thing. And of course there's research that says, they are more like people are more likely to process when they write handwrite notes because not just because they're not typing. So like, let's like remove all the distractions, but the actual act, because you're slower, you have to be concise and you're actually processing while you're taking notes. So there's all these things that kind of come like hark back to audio where we're now demanding people sit in front of a computer screen and just like, you know, be strong enough to like pay attention and schedule the time. And it's just, it's a big ask. It's a really big ask. So when you make it easier, make it more accessible, make it something they can do on the go, they're more likely to consume it. And I think that that, I mean, that's what we all want when we want, when someone signs up to pay, you know, and gives me money, like the, all I want for them is to get a result. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
there's so many barriers to that. And it's not necessarily always just their desire. And I think when I first came on in this space, I, I don't think I hear about it as much anymore, but people were always under the impression that if people didn't show up, it wasn't, it was something internal. They just weren't motivated enough. They weren't committed enough. They didn't care enough. And as someone who has, you know, the understanding of how learning happens, I, you know, was kind of offended by that to a certain degree. But I think we now have, especially, you know, in the spaces that we're traveling in, there's, there's a few of us now um, that are definitely trying to enhance the understanding of that, right? That, you know, it, it takes a lot more than just a desire to learn to actually learn, yeah. right? You have to set the stage for student success. And if audio is a contributor to that, um, for some students, it might be the thing that makes all the difference in the it world, sense, right? Yeah. So and true. what's beneficial for some is beneficial for all. So it is a very universal um, and, and could be applied for in many, many different ways. So mm. having said that, what are some of the ways that you're seeing people using Hello Audio in their courses? Yeah, so, um, so there's a couple things. Like I think what's cool teacher to teacher and to those listening and people who are, you know, looking to create courses is like, you get to decide what the podcast means, you know, in your course. And so I I'm typically finding two main ways that people are using the like content podcast feed. So when I say content podcast feed, I mean, literally every, every video lesson that you have is also converted into audio, right? So that's like your content version of the course put into audio form. So the one way people are using it is they're saying, okay, like go watch the video, do the workbook, and then like, you know, take me on your walks and re-listen, right? So you're basically encouraging the person to keep keep with the material that just because they watched the video in the course just because they watched all of module one which had seven lessons and they did most of the workbooks that you're encouraging them to also re-listen without all of that distraction take me on your walk take me on your you know whatever take me on your drive right um, so that's one way, and that's important for the teacher to really set up in module zero that that zero, that module that tells people how to how to be successful in the course, what to expect from it. But the other way people are using it, and um, it kind of also depends on whether or not you want to release the whole course up front, or whether you want to drip or like release you know by module by week or something, which are options that everyone makes or chooses. That what you could do if you do decide to make the podcast bingeable and we have had people make the podcast bingeable and also drip release so it's not impossible because remember most of the resources are in the course right the videos the worksheets and all that stuff just because they have access to the podcast information um, doesn't mean that they like have everything that the course has so we have had people make that choice where distinctly they release the entire podcast series but don't release all the episodes in video format so what we're doing here is we're allowing the listener to binge listen. And so how you would set this up in your module zero is you would say, you know, for those of you who, and this is me, I, and this is the way my brain typically works, is I like to like kind of watch everything, click on everything before I like sit down. I like to download everything. Like there's something about getting the big picture, which I like. And I'm kind of one of those big picture type of people. Kind of the visionary and all of that so if you were to say hey lens 
you don't have to do any of the workbooks. You don't have to like log into the membership site only just to get to this first, you know, lesson. But why don't you just like listen to the podcast and see where we're going, right? Now you have this like really like low risk. And I think that's really important in learning. Um, a lot of people who don't teach regularly don't know the difference between low risk learning and high risk, right? Low risk is like, um, remember when your teacher used to say like, write a quick five sentences about what you learned this today. And that's your participation points on your exit, right? Very casual. We weren't grading for like grammar or errors and they would drop that off on their way out. High risk is like a test, right? They come in, they're prepared. It's scary. It's related to a lot of their grade. So those feel different, right? We both know those different energies. What you're creating is a low risk thing. This low risk experience of, hey, just go listen to the podcast. And like what you get as the teacher is they get a win. They get a result, even though they haven't even taken any action. They got a result because they've actually created scaffolding in their brain where they can look back and say, oh, I remember when Lindsay talked about this because their goal now is to go back to the course and then watch and start doing the work. And that's like a really cool way to pre-frame. Um, and it's also a way from a marketer perspective, a way to bust that objection when someone says either I fell behind, I feel really behind or bust the objection of time. And you can say, look, I made it so easy for you. You don't even have to log into the site. I have a podcast for you to be able to listen. Already you're like making them like, you're basically like de-escalating that pressure that comes with this course that they just purchased. And because it's likely not the first course they purchased, they have already history of how bad they were at logging in. I know I do, right? That judgment of themselves, that shame. And they're already saying like, am I doing it again? Did I buy Tracy's course and I'm not gonna do the work? It's often not Tracy's fault. They're not like, this is the worst teacher ever. It's usually, can I get my shit together, right? To sit down and do the work. And here comes Tracy and she goes, don't worry, I got you. Here's a podcast. And they're gonna be like, what? This is the best thing ever. So those are like the two main ways that people use it. And I think both of them work. They just, they both have their advantages. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, thinking about it from that perspective. And then of course there's other types of feeds. So a very common second feed that someone would have for a course would be like their coaching calls. If you do Q and A sessions or do any coaching on top of your programs weekly, monthly, that's a beautiful place to drop the replay because most people don't go back and watch the replay. They're already feeling behind on the main content. Like they're gonna now, you know, sh show up to a replay. They're, ho they're hoping to get to the, to the live version. Most of the time, if they can't make it to that live version, I would say like 95% of people don't go back and watch two hour coaching replays. But let me tell you what, they will listen to them because they listen to other things <laughs> while they're doing other things. And so we just found this nice sweet spot of making the content more accessible. It's great. I have used the coaching call um, with a couple of my clients and oh, it nice. really, yeah, it really, really makes a difference too, even for me to be able to like do a quick like re review and scan of mm. what we talked about at our last call. And, you know, I like to play things on fast. So yep. I, in a <laughs> podcast um, app, you can change the speed. So that's always a real bonus for me. 
and, you know, skip through the stuff that, um, you know, I don't need to listen to again and then focus on the stuff that I do and slow it down a little bit when needed. So that's always great. I think the other thing that stood out to me too was you were talking about this idea of that sort of pre-knowledge, like being able to just have that vision of what to expect get a little bit of the information up front and then have something to filter through, right? Depending on what your experiences are coming into a course, that can be really helpful. I'm also a big picture. I like to see the end first. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I can't see the end, I get really anxious. It's like, I don't know what's coming, what's going to be expected of me. So knowing that I can see and hear is even better. But I think, you know, a couple coaching programs that I've been in that don't, didn't necessarily at the time use Hello Audio, probably do now, um, they had podcasts. And so I would often go and search for the episodes on their podcast that related back to the content that they were teaching or coaching on inside the coaching program. And um, often would recommend to them that, you know, you should really move should some of these <laughs> yeah. as resources so I don't have to look for them because that's, you know, one less thing that I have to spend time doing. And also it's curated by the person who runs the program. It's a great bonus to put on top of a con of, uh, inside of a course, like a curated, um, cause even people who've had hundreds and hundreds of episodes, I think Apple only allows you to have like a hundred at a time, like in the Apple, like you can't go all the way back. I don't know. Some people who have thousands okay. of of episodes, but yeah, th- that curated, edited podcast feed again could be in Hello Audio. So you pull it from your other podcast, and then it's like the I don't even know Cliff Notes version or like the most important yeah chapters kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I love, I love that, that idea. idea. But yeah, yeah, I I definitely that was why I did it though was for mm-hmm. the learning because mm-hmm. I would watch the video, I'd attend the group coaching calls, I'd read whatever was available to me, do the work, but yet I would still find that I benefited from going back to the a podcast episode related to that topic. And again, running it through the filter. So I can totally, as you're saying this, I can see how this all intersects and I know you know what you're talking about. So I don't need to, um, you know, prove it to you, but it does work. So yeah, well, you know, what's interesting, you would know, you would probably say like that you agree. There's not a lot of people that do like supplemental material in their, in their, in their, kind of programs, right? They get so focused on, oh, I have to give them as much, you know, like exactly what's required. And it's, it's gotta be from me because I'm the expert. And we both know, like, I'm like, I teach sociology. I'm pulling from so many different like news sources, like bloggers, like the idea that you wouldn't have other people's content in your own course. It's a little different. I, I get why it's different. And, um, and, and especially from the perspective of, oh my gosh, they just, there's extra things. If they can't even get through my five minute video, how are they gonna like go listen to more stuff? But for the, for the student who likes to learn in that way and really immerse and um, to know that, you know, someone makes a course and they're very intentional and they write and they try to make it as short and concise as possible. Some people all, you know, I bet the, the, the podcast episodes where they're riffing is also fascinating because you're getting in their brain about why they like picked the things they picked. And that to me is like education. Like when you can, when you're seeking out more information, if you're not giving that to them as the teacher, you're literally like stunting them and making them do this extra work. And I don't think it has to be positioned as like, 
it literally can just be for extra and deeper learning. That's all you have to put like in the in the lesson. It doesn't have to be like you must watch this in order to succeed. Um, I do think it's important to distinguish. But yeah, there's not a lot of people that use like supplemental material in this in this industry. Yeah, I've noticed that as well, especially around the the element of risk that they feel that they're taking using someone else's materials. Nice. Obviously, we have to give credit where credit is due and do all the right things and make sure that we're not um, sharing something that we don't have the rights or privileges to share. Yeah. However, it can really enhance, I think, even your own authority and expert status to be able to know, to to demonstrate, I guess, that there are other people talking about the same things that you're talking about. There's places that you've gone and you've sought additional learning and you think it's a valuable resource or tool for them to use. And so it can be, should be viewed as an enhancement rather than as, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what the barrier is, but I definitely think there is some fear of it. It's not my content. Um, I all, it has to all come from me. Otherwise it's going to somehow diminish my, yeah, they're going to make us look bad. Um, but yeah, like you, like we pull in resources and academia all the time. So, um, why reinvent the wheel if there's something really great out there that you can use, but obviously, you know, you still want to create some of your, some of your own content, your thread, your process, your take on it. But there, there is this idea. I remember my like theory classes in sociology. It's like, you have to understand the web of like where these ideas were being played with that web matters because you're actually showing just like you're saying that you um, can take this like thought that, you know, let's say Jeff Walker product launch formula. I talk about somebody who created this like very like staple in launching and launching digital products. I mean, you could argue that almost every iteration since that is built off of him, <laughs> like pretty much like, and so people have been playing with that concept for a long time. And there, I think there's this fear of, yeah, am I original enough? Um, and then yeah. there's other fear of like, yeah, using content that's not yours in a way that's like plagiarism, which is not what we're talking about. And then I think it's all then tied to like, well, the content needs to be concise. They just, I'm, I boiled it down for them. But I think to what you and I both are kind of saying is like, when you really allow the learner to understand what's going on in the industry and like how you came to the conclusions you came to, that's also, I think, important information. For some people that it might be too much, but I think for the, a certain type of learner, um, and for somebody who really wants to like improve their craft and it wants to go deep, I think that kind of stuff is invaluable because I, I think the best teachers create students that do it differently than they were taught. Like they're disruptors. Like you shouldn't be creating students that replicate exactly what you do. You should be creating students that are saying like, okay, cool. I love how Lindsay created this framework for building a better beta, but like, I didn't like this part or I think, right. And they should go off and run off and create something better. That's, that's like what education looks like. It's not just creating robots. It's like creating people that can build other things. So to me, it makes perfect sense, but not everyone views it like that. Yeah, so true. That's such an interesting perspective. I hadn't really thought of it that way before, but yeah, the disruptors and, and, um, you know, inspiring and empowering people to to kind of take their past experiences with their present experiences and create their future, right? That's really what it's all about. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. 
So I would love for you to just sort of share where is Hello Audio going? I know mm. you've got a vision for the future. And um, I know one uh, platform that you're integrating with right now, recently, very new, is Member Vault. So can you tell us a little bit about that partnership and for what's to come? Yeah, so we're really excited about pairing with Member Vault. Um, you know, and we also have like an app in the Thinkific store as well. So those are our two learning management systems that we started with. And I've known Aaron and Mike Kelly for a very long time. Um, so it made sense that, uh, you know, we went with, to them first, really. Um, plus they, Mike was so helpful in the early days of us even deciding to build this. I remember I voxed him and I was like, hey, can you just build this in Member Vault? And he's like, oh, I know we've talked about audio and like, I get it. He kind of got it, but he wasn't really sure what we were doing. And then, and then I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to build it, we'll find somebody to build it. And then fast forward. And he was like one of the first people I messaged. I'm like, so we're going to build it ourselves. <laughs> and since he's a developer, he kind of did that. It, it was, it was just great. He was kind of like my developer coach <laughs> um, throughout this whole process. So um, we were super excited and honored that they were wanting to add Hello Audio as an integration. I think we're one of the only people on the others page as far as integrations. So I'm sure they're gonna grow those pages as well as they grow their product, but it makes sense to be integrated with, you know, learning management systems for the exact reason we talked about today. So, you know, a student buys your course, it's perfectly synced up with Hello Audio and they automatically get their feed and you don't even have to think about it and they're winning and, you know, listening and all the things. So, um, yeah, so we might do some next level stuff with him. There's some things we have to play with, like will, if someone uploads an audio inside Member Vault, could we maybe send it over to Hello Audio so you don't have to upload a separate, you know, file? That, that could be, it's like kind of next level. We wanted to get this basic like student, student talking to each other kind of thing. Um, but that could be something we create. Um, and then as far as like where we're headed, so I mean, audio is having a renaissance right now. I mean, Clubhouse is a very popular app and I'm sure more people will be coming on very soon when Android is ready. That is making people rethink um, audio in general and just think about how useful it is and why they've been spending hours on an app like that is because it's audio. Uh, so there are some really cool benefits to audio and I do think that it is ripe for innovation. I also believe that it's where we're headed with our devices. I don't think we're going to be touching and tapping for very much longer. So if you remember the early days of computer, it was all commands through your keyboard and then it was a mouse and then we got to touch, right? The Apple really changed how we interacted with our devices and we had no buttons. Like, can we believe it? We got to a part with no buttons. Well, we're going to get to a part where we're just talking to everything. It's already here. Um, it's just not here with us culturally yet. Um, in sociology, we call this a cultural lag when our technology advances a little bit further than where we've decided cultural norms should be. So in the cultural lag that we're in with audio, um, we're headed to probably, you know, what's walking around talking toward and not looking at screens, which is going to be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so, all that to be said, where does Hello Audio fit in on this? We're seeing, um, we're predicting that there's probably going to be some changes, not just in the what we're doing with courses, but like in marketing and nurturing and lead generation. I think there's a lot of space for that to be different. Um, so yes, courses, but 
also, you know, we're finding more and more users. We just did a webinar with some member vault people actually. And someone was like, yeah, I kind of want to put my emails on this. Like I hate emails. We're hearing that a lot. Um, Tarzan Kay is a copywriter in the industry and she um, was one of the first people that I know about who publicly was like, oh, I'm going to put all my emails on it. And uh, I think it's called Tarzan reads her emails. So this is a copywriter <laughs> who you want to be getting like hear how she's talking to her audience and she recorded them for you and she's funny and like it's cute and it's kind of like, you know, those like old SNL skits about reading tweets and stuff. That's what it's like. It's like, she's reading her work out for you publicly and it's kind of cool. So like, what if, what if audio, like, I mean, it doesn't have to replace email completely, but was like an option. And so we started to, we're starting to like rethink like what we can do with audio. And we're kind of imagining this, like kind of like a mix with like MailChimp where we're segmenting people and they're getting certain audios based on what they sign up for or what happens or actions they take. Um, possibly the ability to like dynamically like record personal audios for certain users, like things like that. So we're getting at that level and just playing in the all audio space with it. Um, so that, that, you know, Hello Audio 2.0 is kind of advancing in that way. How can we reimagine, um, you know, marketing, nurturing, uh, and lead generation as it comes to audio and go further than just the typical like public podcast. What else could we use RSS feeds for? How else could we, you know, communicate with our audience and what else? Because we think that pretty much anything can be turned into audio. I don't, you know, I don't think like a TikTok video would be really good. Those, those really short 15 second ones probably isn't, isn't very good, but I do believe like any sort of long form video or written form can absolutely be turned into audio. So just thinking about, okay, like what, what would be the best use of that and how, how can we basically create that? So we're kind of trying to reimagine that as we speak. So that's where our, our heads are at, at the moment. Wow. That's a lot of places for your head to be at at one time. Right. But that sounds so <laughs> exciting. Like, yeah. you know, I think one of the being a visionary yourself, like the ability for you to see fast forward and what those possibilities yeah. are, like, it's so great that we have people like you who are sort of pushing forward the industry in new and creative ways. So I'm excited to see what's coming. And I will say too, like my experience recently, just this past weekend, I am a little late to the gate, but um, only because time is a limited commodity these days. But I integrated um, my member vault and Hello Audio, or at least set up the integration. And boy, was it ever easy to do. It was like two yeah. minutes, I was done. And so, you know, now I'm, I'm challenged with the task of um, better making decisions about how I want to, to use it to integrate with what I already currently have in mm -hmm. MemberVault and mm -hmm. then certainly like thinking ahead as well. So um, yeah, I love the Hello Audio group too. There's lots of people sharing ideas in there about really creative ways that they're using it, especially, you know, I think there was one, um, one person in the group who if I'm not mistaken, she had her daughter reading stories and it was being shared with grandparents and because she was learning to read and with, with COVID and people being isolated, they wanted them to have this experience of her reading to them. And so, you know, really interesting ways to use Hello, Hello Audio even outside of courses 
And like you said, yeah. you know, emails, that excites me. So yeah, right. Like the, what if I could just unsubscribe from everything? But again, you still have their email address and you're still sending them information to their email address. It's just in an audio version. I think yeah, it's so I, personal too. Like to hear someone's yeah. voice talking to you, mm-hmm. like it almost feels like a phone call or a friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt like, yeah. Like listening to Michelle Obama's book, right. She's reading it and you felt like you were just like hearing stories of these like very private moments between this, such a public figure. Yeah. That's why I love audiobooks, like being read by the person. Um, it, it's just like, it just brings a whole other layer to what is going on. So yeah, I love that you bring that up. I, I also have my own, I always tell people this too, um, I have my own feed for me called Listen, Lindsay, and it's like <laughs> literally a feed. And like, I had this really cool like tarot reading of a year at a glance. So they went through every month, like Monday, or sorry, Monday, January to December, and like pulled a card for every month. And they're like, oh, this is the energy of your March, right? So here I am about to head into another month. I'm going right to my feed that has the recording for the next month. So I can hear what my like, you know, prediction and forecast was of where my energy is going to be. And um, so, and then like, I'm, I'm pitching investors right now. So like my own, uh, pitch, like I'll listen to it. So I'm just like getting more like familiar with it. So those kind of, I just have a feed for myself, things I need to listen to and re-listen to for just for me. I'm the only one subscribed to it. And, it, and so just even thinking about what we could do with that from a hell audio perspective, like voice notes going to a feed that you can listen back. Think about all those times that you've like voice recorded something and like not gone back to that memo, um, you know, it directly sending to Hello Audio is, is pretty powerful. So there's, I think, a very individual use case as well. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so many ideas. I can't wait to see <laughs> right? where, which ones you pick to work on first. I don't know, but um, <laughs> that's awesome. So you mentioned that you're spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, or maybe you didn't say that. I'll say that for you. You're spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, but the rooms that you're hosting are super valuable and lots of really good conversations uh, are happening in there. So where can people find you uh, aside from Clubhouse? Yeah. So on Clubhouse, yeah, you can find me at, at Hello Audio or you could search my name, but my handle is at Hello Audio. Um, and we have a Hello Audio club in there, um, which I believe actually the URL works now. So if you go to helloaudio.club, that should take you to um, the Clubhouse sign up if you want to follow it. So they released that within the last couple of weeks. Um, and then we're at the Facebook group as well. Uh, you brought up that's, that's probably the best place to meet other hello audio users hear how they're using it, be able to drop questions really quick, um, get feedback, all of the things. And that's also at hello audio dot community that should take you directly to, uh, the Facebook group link. If for some reason it doesn't just search hello audio community in Facebook. Um, and those are kind of the main places we're on Instagram and Twitter, both with the handle hello audio FM. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much all the places. And are you comfortable with sharing? I think you have a challenge that you, um, what is the rapid content? What's it called? It's about the rapid content audio. I'm botching it. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) The audio asset challenge. Yeah. We talk about rapid asset, asset creation and audio being one of the fastest, like most valuable things you could create. Um, and so, uh, some of the stuff we talked about today is in that. If you go to challenge.helloaudio.fm, we now have a landing page for it. Um, if you also go to helloaudio.fm and scroll to the bottom, you can sign up there too, but we, we now have an individual URL for it. And that actually is really cool because 
that's a lead magnet, right? So we'll have your email address and then hopefully we deliver some value to you. Um, I think it's eight episodes, 45 minutes, and there's a little Easter egg at the very end of it if you find it. Um, but you can see what it's like to basically be experienced as a listener uh, with how the sign-up process is and all of that. So we definitely direct people there to kind of witness it firsthand what it's like to sign up for a private podcast. That's awesome. So thanks for sharing all of this with me, Lindsay, and letting us have a peek into the future. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. And I hope that maybe you'll consider joining us again at some point in time where we can sort of see where you're at because there's just so many exciting things that we can probably chat about given our similar backgrounds and your forward thinking. It's a, it's a match made in heaven. So yeah, you know, I'm happy to talk about courses and teaching all day long. So I would be, I would, I would love to come back. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.